Attention, attention, Empire board members. This is the Empire After Party from WNYC Studios. And I, Josan Cummings, am calling this meeting to order. We are now at the mid-season break. Empire won't be back until March, which makes me very sad. And I'm sure it makes you very sad as well, especially because we left on some crazy cliffhangers. Ladies and gentlemen of the board, I propose a vote to remove Lucius Lyon as CEO and chairman of Empire. Mimi set Lucius up and had the Lyons family coming together once again to circle the wagons. Lyon Dynasty is our company, but Empire is our legacy. And anybody that tries to steal that from us is our enemy. Do you understand that? But we all know that Lucius wasn't having any of that. No, sir, he doesn't even want his sons taking over Empire. Isn't that every parent's dream, to have their children surpass them? It's not my dream. But as it turns out, the apple named Hakeem doesn't fall too far from the tree. Hakeem, no! I. For those keeping score at home, let's add this up. Hakeem impregnated his father's ex-fiance, dropped his father's last name, and now he voted his dad off the board, leaving his pops with nothing. As far as I'm concerned, Hakeem is the midseason MVP. This man went from drip drop to the tip top. So that's where we're going out to, on the tip top. We talked to another MVP, one who lives mostly behind the scenes of Empire, but who invented the show. He created it with Lee Daniels. He writes it. He even directs an episode once in a while. That's right. It's Danny Strong's empire, and we're just living in it. When I sat down to write the pilot, I remember staring at the blank screen thinking, I have no idea what I'm doing, which, by the way, is what I think every time I write something. So this, <laughs> there's this moment of fear mm-hmm. before I ever write anything of, I have no clue what I'm doing. I think I'm going to have to give them their money back. Mm-hmm. What I did was I started watching some Kanye West interviews. And after about 10 minutes of watching him talk, I I felt completely comfortable starting to write the show. There was something about his swag and energy. It just embodied to me what I thought the spirit of the show should be. And to me, Hakeem kind of represents that that spirit more quintessentially than any other character. How old is Hakeem? He's he's a teenage rapper, right? Right on the cusp yeah. of stardom. But you have said that you are Hakeem. And, I, know, I was and, joking, though. Well, I, I mean, I, I, and it's become I, like I feel quote, like the, and even Yaz said it to me. He's like, "You said you're Hakeem." I'm like, "I know, I was kidding." <laughs> I thought it was funny. I mean, um, he is he is one of those characters in all the conversations I have about this show. I find myself going back and talking about Hakeem over and over because he's just so interesting. But then when you talk about your career a little bit and you kind of trying to make it one way and it not working another and and instead finding it to work another way. Mm-hmm. I mean that's Hakeem is right now 
you know, he, he's on the cusp of stardom, but he's also trying to be a CEO, a mogul. He's trying to be a mogul. <laughs> um, I think with Hakeem, I think, I think, I, I mean, I have a great deal of affection for Hakeem, the character, and for Yaz personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Yaz, and he works so hard, and he had never acted before, and to see his growth, and he's gotten so good so fast. Well, what do you, how do you view Cookie? Because I remember watching the first season, and I'll be honest, I just wanted her to get laid. Because I was like 17 <laughs> years. Were you excited in, when it happened? Yes. I was like, finally, <laughs> she deserves it. 17 yeah. years in, in, in prison, you deserve you know, to have, have some fun. Um, but what ways are you protecting Cookie? What, how have you approached Cookie, who has become an I'm, I'm just going to say an iconic character on television. Yeah. I remember when I was pitching the show to Lee, and I had to have more worked out because to land a director at that level, he's an Academy Award-nominated director, you really you really want to give a good presentation. You can't just show up and say a few lines like, I'm thinking about hip-hop and King Lear, right? <laughs> so I really had it worked out, and I remember saying to him, I thought, oh, he'll have these three sons, and he'll have an ex-wife who will um, get out of prison at the beginning of the movie for the drug money that started the empire. It's... And she'll be genius in music. I just remember thinking she'll be like this she'll be like this she'll like have these like zen voodoo, you know, abilities in mm-hmm. music and that'll be her superpower. Mm-hmm. And then I said she'll be like Mama Rose on crack. And Lee just started screaming, Oops. "Yes, darling, yes." <laughs> I remember reading Lee Daniels saying at the um, Hollywood Reporter Roundtable, I hate white people writing for black people. It's so uh-huh. offensive. And I must say, <laughs> I thought about you. And yeah, I wanted how to could know. You not? <laughs> and I wanted to know. Let's talk about it. <laughs> when you heard uh-huh. that, when you read that, do you, what do you say to that? What do you say to Lee? You know, you're one of the few people that have just asked me about that. And it's I've been surprised that more people haven't asked. It was such a. Well, you know, it was like a big press moment. But I I will say that the first thing that crossed my mind was I was really embarrassed for Lee because I think the statement is ridiculous. Mm. I wrote The Butler. I co-wrote Empire. Eileen Shaken, who's white, is a major force in writing Empire. Uh, His next movie, Prior, was written by Bill Condon, who's white. I did a little polish on the script. I'm white. It's like all these white people are writing for him, <laughs> and he comes out and says something like that. Right. And I just thought, I just thought, oh, God, it's just – it's like ridiculous because it's not true. Then simultaneously, I totally uh, respect that he would say something like that publicly um, because I know that it's how he really feels. And I think it's – I think he must be very conflicted about it. To feel that way and yet to be working with so many white writers at the same time. So, yeah, we spoke that night. I, I, it, was, it was a perfectly healthy conversation. And, I, you know, I, it was one of those things where I just I, – I thought he came across badly for saying it. That okay. was my feeling about it as opposed to me being offended by it. Um, but then like a, I remember about a week later I did start to get – it's funny because for me, I don't get mad right away. It takes it takes some time for me to get mad. And a week later, I started getting really annoyed. Um, I started getting really annoyed about it. I just thought, wow. Because you get that question. I, I do you these... get the question? You get the question a lot about being the white writer on the African American show. Yeah, yeah, I do. 
Um, and it's a completely fair question. It's a question that I don't really have a good answer for, um, except for the fact that I'm a professional writer. That's what I do for a living. This is what I get paid to do. This is what I'm passionate about. And I don't write. My work has not been about my own life or my own life experience. Mm -hmm. I have not written uh, a movie about being a Jewish actor trying to get an audition. That was like 20 years of my life, (laughs) is like trying to get an audition and a part. And it's not a very good movie. I mean, writing Game Change, I'm not uh, a a Republican senator from Alaska. I'm not Sarah Palin. I wrote on the Hunger Games movies. I don't, I've never been to Pan Am. It's, this is the, this is the job, right? And and, uh, there are many writers that write exclusively about their life experience. Right. And you and and, 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 and I'm the opposite. And, I, and and by the way, I'm not rare. There's plenty of writers that write things that aren't about a- anything about themselves. In that writer's room, does it ever divide along cultural lines? Is there ever code translation that needs to happen? What is that collaborative process like, not just with so many people, but with so many people of so many different backgrounds? Well, we've got we've got the, the majority of the room is African American. Okay. Then there's a few Latino writers, mm-hmm. and then there is two or three white writers. Okay. Um, and, and then um, although the other white writer is married to an African American woman and has you know mm-hmm. African American kids, so mm-hmm. I think that when it comes to cultural issues that relate to the show. There's no conflict ever because we totally go along with what people in our st- – uh, what the writers say is true and not true because it's not our life experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's very, it's very simple. But often they'll uh, – you know, the African-American writers will argue with each other over things <laughs> because they have different um, cultural experiences. Right, right, And right. so it's like – it's not like there's this one universal thing that's true for everyone. Right. We want it to feel – authentic. Mm-hmm. And so there are discussions but they're never they're never contentious and in fact they're just for me as a white guy from Manhattan Beach, California, just completely fascinating. Who's the character that you have the hardest time with? I mean there are some characters that are harder to get into storylines than others. Um one of the central concepts of the show is that it's a show about a musical family. So you have musical numbers. Right. So the plot has to, in some way, come around to two or three and sometimes four musical numbers an episode. And so if you're a character that doesn't sing, sometimes it's harder to get you into the plot. This is why I asked that question, because Mm -hmm. of... Andre specifically being mm-hmm. the one non-singing, non-rapper, non-musical member of the family. Yeah. You wrote the episode in which it's revealed that Lucius has a problem with the fact that he's in an interracial relationship. Yes. Um, and I – I directed when, it too. And and you directed it. When that moment happened, first of all, it was – it was shot great too because I can close my eyes and I can still Thank remember Lucius you. blowing up about that and me kind of being taken aback, like, "Oh my God, this is this is yeah. it!" And it felt this so Terrence's real. Performance was unbelievable. I voted against you because I can't trust you. Why don't you trust me, Dad? The moment you brought that white woman into my house, 
I knew then I couldn't trust you. I knew then that you didn't want to be a part of my family. She has nothing to do with this, and you know it. It felt so real and authentic. And I wanted to know how you came to that, like, okay, this is going to be the thing that is holding Andre back. Not just a bipolar <laughs> thing, but the fact that he's in an interracial relationship with a woman sure. that he genuinely loves. Like, he does love that woman. Well, let me let me, uh, let me me start by answering that you may be disappointed in the answer. Okay. Because <laughs> it's going to – I'm not going to come across like this overseeing genius. Um, but I will give you the honest truth of how – not that I ever came across that way before, by the way. <laughs> no, But I no, think some people think not. that like on TV shows we, we – you know, everything is mapped out and we've got it all worked out. And actually, this is sort of a good insight just into the creative process in general. So Mm -hmm. here's how that exact moment came to be. You know, the plot line in that episode is he's trying to, you know, be voted uh, the interim CEO if something were to happen to the regular CEO, that he would get to be the interim CEO. Conspiring with Vernon. Him and Vernon are working. Yes, conspiring with Vernon, right? Mm -hmm. So then, um, then we knew that Lucius was going to be the single vote against him. And that was going to be the twist, that everyone votes for him and then his dad votes against him, right? Great, great twist. Great. You know, yep. it's not genius, but it's very good. So then I was coming up with different, you know, reasons why Lucius would vote against him. Everything I came up with just felt fake. And they were just these goofy plot mechanisms that reminded me of what you would see on, you know, an 80s TV show. And then I thought, okay, well, why don't I make it about character instead of plot? Maybe it's something character-wise. And I thought, oh, what if he voted against him because he married a white woman and he's harbored it against him ever since he met the woman but has never said anything? Right. Wow, that's a really profound reason. And then I, I asked some of uh, the writers on our staff who are African-American. We've got like eight African-American writers on our staff. And I asked a couple of them, and I said, would this be truthful? And they said, absolutely. And so I did it, and then Terrence Howard read it, and he just loved it so much. He thought it was so real I thought and it was provocative. Too. I thought and it was so, so that's how that moment came to be. I was just trying to write myself mm-hmm. out of a story corner that I'd put myself into. What have been the challenges going into this season? And oh, it's been really season. hard. It's just it's really hard. It was really hard writing last season. It's a very unconventional TV show. I completely understand why cop shows and legal shows are so successful in television because you've got this instant mechanism of how to tell a story right. every week. Well, we don't have that for this show. And w- uh, this show, for season one, it was who's going to inherit the empire. So for season two, it was so how... How do we keep it going in a way that's dynamic and exciting but doesn't feel repetitive? Right, right, right. Well, now the midseason finale, um, that's in the can. Are you what are you yes. what are, what are, what are you doing for your break? How are you relaxing? Uh, there is you, no break. Okay. There is no break. Yeah, we're going through we're shooting I mean, we're shooting episode fourteen starting next week. We we don't we're we're off the air for four months, but we're not stopping the production or the writing. So we're we're doing 18 episodes straight through. We're taking ah. three weeks off for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I have personally had gotten very few breaks because I feel like I'm I'm just writing nonstop or doing something nonstop. 
but I am I live in New York and I've been in LA most of the year or Chicago where we shoot, which has been personally difficult because I miss New York where I live. Well, New York misses you, so hopefully when you uh, get out here, you can stop by and visit us here. But I really thank you very much for the time and the insight that you've given. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Not only is Danny Strong the writer for television's most popular show, he's also the writer for the biggest movie in the country, Mockingjay Part 2. And now, we wait. Hakeem looks like he's about to take over the throne over at Empire, and Rhonda, well, R.I.P., maybe, to her? Her baby? We don't know, and we have to wait until March find out. But whatever it is, whatever the outcome, we definitely are excited for it. I wish that March was actually tomorrow and not next year in 2016. And until then, I will be talking about it. And I encourage all of you to share your theories with us like you have been doing all this season. On Twitter, you can hit me at Joe's NC, but you can also hit us at Empire Podcasts. We are always there, willing to talk about Cookie, Lucius, Jamal, Andre, Rhonda, Anika. So until then, I'm out of here like Anika pushed me down some stairs. Mm-hmm.